Good morning. My name is Dawn, and I have the honor of serving as one of the ministers here. And I just want to point in that scripture, it says, love your neighbor. So I'm going to ask you that you love me, recognizing that I didn't want my hair to look like this today. <laughs> and I'm going to love you, for those of you who are maybe here early and had that really big breakfast, that you might doze off a little bit, and that's okay. <laughs> All right? So as a minister here, I get to participate in lots of things at Desert Springs, but my passion is our care and recovery ministry. And so recently, I got to attend DSBC's Celebrate Recovery Ministry that meets here every Monday night at 6.15. And I love Celebrate Recovery because it is a 12-step program, but not like what we've maybe heard on TV or you know, in different contexts. It's not just focused on recovery from addiction, but also they focus on your hurts, habits, and hangups. And I love that because who of us doesn't have a hurt, habit, or hangup, right? And so it was just amazing for me to be able to participate. I came and I sat as a participant. And as I experienced Celebrate Recovery, actually, honestly, for the first time, um, I was just in awe of how every leader that got up here on the stage, uh, they introduced themselves and then they admitted to being in recovery for some hurt habit or hang up. And it, wasn't, it didn't seem like it was something you had to do. I think each leader got to choose whether or not they wanted to present themselves that way. And it didn't seem shameful. In fact, what it seemed like was it was a reminder that none of us have this figured out. And sometimes we can think, if you're standing on this stage, you've got it all figured out, and now you're going to teach me how to do it. And let me tell you, I'm not standing on this stage and got it all figured out. So we're just going to do this together. I'm going to share you what, with you what I've learned, and, and hopefully maybe it will help you or impact you in some way. And so when I left Celebrate Recovery, I was thinking, okay, I was thinking about this message. How would I maybe introduce myself? And each person, you know, just took about 30 seconds to introduce themselves. And I'm going through the list of my hurts, habits, and hangups, and I'm thinking, well, I don't really get an hour and a half to introduce myself. <laughs> so I really need to hone in. And so I was, think, again, thinking about this message and just what has God put on my heart uh, in, since my journey of recovery started about seven, eight years ago. And this is how I would introduce myself. Hi, my name is Dawn, and I am currently in recovery for doing what everybody else wanted me to do. And because of that, I lived in bitterness, judgment, and anger. Hi, thank you. And for some people, you might be like, well, that's really great, helping other people, doing what they want you to do, being available to them. But to be honest, it was killing me. So when we talk about these hurts, habits, and hangups in recovery, whether it's in Celebrate Recovery or some other space, these are, these are things that we've adopted maybe to help us survive in a time in our life, but it is no longer helping us. In fact, it's, it's maybe depleting us or slowly killing us. And so I met Jesus when I was a kid. Each summer, I got to go to my grandma's house for a week, and we got to participate in Vacation Bible School. And uh, for those of you that are not familiar with Vacation Bible School, it's like our splash camp here, or it's like a kid's day camp for churches. And it's my favorite week of the year when I was a kid because I lived in an abusive home. I lived in a chaotic home. And when I got to go to grandma's house, grandma took care of us kids, we had regular meals, we had order, we, we weren't responsible for anything, we just were loved on. And I loved that about Grandma. 
And it made me love that about the church because I saw how much she loved Jesus. Every morning I would watch her sit at the table, drink her coffee, and it seemed like she was having a conversation with Jesus sitting right across from her. It was amazing. And then I would get to go to church with her and I would see all these wonderful people serving and loving each other. Because when you live in an abusive home, you learn that people take things from you and that your needs don't matter. Only their needs matter. And so the church was such an attractive place for me. And in fact, at one point uh, during that week with Grandma, I finally started to understand who Jesus was and that Jesus wanted to provide peace and love and joy and comfort for me. And, and that's what drew my heart to him. And so when you're in vacation Bible school, you're in any kid's ministry, lots of times you'll take these really big verses and try to boil them down to simplify them so that the kids can remember them. So that verse that we were looking at earlier on the screen, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, says, And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him, that's Jesus, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, what I learned in vacation Bible school was basically that means love God, love others, right? Super simple, two commandments, love God, love others. And so as I started following Jesus, as I grew up going to church with my grandma, and fell in love with the church, I put everything I could into loving God and loving others. And what that led me to was about seven or eight years ago, I had given everything I had, every part of my being, to loving God, loving the church, loving my husband, loving my kids, being awesome at my job because I'm representing Jesus. And I want others to see how amazing Jesus is, but I had nothing left. And so, as many of us, we start counseling or we start recovery from this idea of there must be something wrong with me. I see all these amazing people who follow Jesus, have peace and joy in their life, and, and they're so good at loving God and loving others, and yet I'm doing all of that, and yet there's nothing left, and I don't have peace, and I don't have joy. In fact, I have nothing. I have bitterness, I have anger, and I have judgment. And so I started counseling thinking, there has to be something wrong with me. I've got to get this figured out. And as I started counseling, God started revealing some stuff in my life. And I'm, I'm wondering if maybe you might be in that same place. You know, I mean, not just because of this last 18 months that we've all endured and all these changes and these things that we've been trying to figure out, but maybe you operate as I've operated, where everything I have, I give outward. And not in, a, not in a holy, selfless way, but in a way of this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I have to do, and this is my only option, to be a good person. In fact, I was doing some research and I found that recently uh, Forbes magazine did a survey. And the survey said that more than 56% of the people who took the survey were either in burnout or near burnout. To me, that says those people are giving more than they have. They're depleted, and they're to the point where they can't go on. Maybe, maybe you feel the same way in your different areas of life. So, again, 
back to my recovery. I'm doing all these things right, but I'm having no peace, no joy. And what I started to learn in recovery is that maybe there was a part of that verse that I missed. Maybe there's more to this love God and love others. And so let's look again. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. There's this big part that I missed, and maybe, maybe you have too. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, this is a good principle that we can apply throughout our life, no matter where we are spiritually. This part, where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. That wasn't in my little memory verse growing up. Love God, love others. There's this really important component that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And it started me thinking, I wonder if I can't fully love others in the way that God calls me to if I don't love myself. That's, that's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? And it seems like from those of you who maybe grew up in the church or even maybe heard about this Jesus guy, we're taught how sacrificial Jesus is and how selfless Jesus is. And if you're following Jesus, you, you pour, you die to yourself, and you give to others. So it seems counterintuitive to me from what I grew up in. But maybe, according to this verse, we can't truly love others in the way that God calls us to if we don't love ourselves. Hmm. So as I was in my journey of recovery, I started reframing this verse in a way that kind of counteracted what I had grown up in. And now summarize this verse for me, and you can decide for yourself, to love God I also need to love myself so that I can love others. Yeah, I can't, I can't love others. I, I, I saw that for so many years in my bitterness, my judgment, and my anger when I was trying to love others, but totally forgetting to take care of myself. And so thinking about it in these terms, going through my recovery, going back and reading Jesus, the life of Jesus, I started to see there is self-care or loving yourself in the Bible, in Scripture. In fact, Jesus models it in some ways. And so let me just take a moment to take a side. When I read Love Yourself, I, because of my degree, I just finished a degree at seminary uh, in marriage and family therapy, we translate that to, love, to self-care. And a lot of times when I'm sitting across from somebody who's just depleted, I'm like, when's the last time you, you had self-care? And I know for some of you, you might be thinking, oh my gosh, self-care is such a buzzword, and I've got people in my life who claim self-care, and yet it's really harmful. And if I can just take a moment to say, you know what, that's, that's probably true. But we see in this broken world often that things that God calls us to or things that are good because we live in a broken world, can be used for harm, right? And so I don't want to just throw out self-care because sometimes we see it in a harmful way. And in fact, one of my favorite authors 
explains self-care in this way as a spiritual practice. Her name is Adele Calhoun. She wrote, wrote a book on spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices. And she actually calls self-care a spiritual practice. And she says, These habits honor the way God made us. Respecting our bodies, including their limitations, is a way God communicates his counsel and will to us. Our tiredness reveals that we are not infinite beings. We need boundaries. We need rest. We need to say no as well as yes. We need to know that when what we can do sometimes, other times we cannot do. And I appreciated that because that helped me to reframe this idea that I had been taught that self-care is selfish, and that's not the way of Jesus. And yet Adele Calhoun is saying, no, our self-care helps us to recognize our limitations as humans, and in a way it glorifies God. And so today I want to challenge you to believe that self-care is a spiritual practice when done in a healthy way. I want to share with you this quote that talks about what are spiritual practices. Spiritual practices are specific activities you do to deepen your relationship with the sacred and the world around you. Practices help you to connect with God. They enable you to become actively engaged with your inner true self, the depth of your being. And they expand the breadth of your experiences, encouraging you to relate in a particular way to other people and the whole of creation. Spiritual practices not only help us to connect to God, they help us to connect with our inner being. And as a believer, I believe God made us in the image of him and that God's spirit resides within us. So when I'm connecting with the depth of who I truly am, I believe I'm connecting with God. But then also, that quote says, when we engage in spiritual practices, it helps us to engage with others in a way that God calls us to. So for me, as I was going through recovery, and I've been growing and learning for the past seven, eight years, and again, I have not arrived. My friends will tell you so. My family will tell you so. I don't do this perfectly. But I do have these moments now where I do experience peace and joy. When I give myself space to replenish my mind, my body, and my soul through self-care, then I am able to love God and love others in a way that does bring peace and joy. And so I want to turn us towards the scripture, and I want to show you where Jesus modeled self-care as a spiritual practice. And so we're going to look at Mark, sorry, Matthew 14. And just to set the stage before this scripture starts, Jesus had just learned that his cousin and, and good friend, John the Baptist, had been murdered by the government authorities. And so when they're referring to about it, that's what the scripture's talking about, is Jesus is grieving his friend. So in Matthew 14, it says, when Jesus heard about it, John's death, he withdrew from there by a boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, had compassion on them, and healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, 
This is, place is deserted, and there, it's already getting late. Jesus, send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, they don't need to go away. Jesus told them, you give them something to eat. The disciples said, but we only have five loaves and two fish here, they, they said. Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So he started this scripture with Jesus grieving his friend, the crowds coming, Jesus having compassion on the crowds, seeing their needs, and providing for their needs by feeding them. And when I was a kid, when we talked about this story, we focused completely on Jesus fed the 5,000. Isn't this an amazing miracle? And guess what? Jesus will provide for your needs too. And we miss this part where Jesus is grieving his friend. And I know, I, I imagine, I know personally, I've been in a place where I've had to think, you know what, I need to put my feelings aside and I need to just push through. I need to just take care of these people that are around me. And we see Jesus do that. But then we see the very next verse, and in your Bible, it kind of breaks it up as a separate story. But if you see the very next verse, it says, Immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Oh, I lost the in there. At the end there, and it says, and then Jesus went away to be by himself, to pray and to be by himself. And so for me, now reading scripture through the lens of Jesus modeling self-care I see that, you know, Jesus did this amazing thing, but he knew he still needed to take time to grieve his friend. He needed to take time to care for his own needs. So he dismissed his friends, the disciples, he dismissed the crowds, and he took time for himself. I believe Jesus was modeling for us self-care as a spiritual practice. And not only did Jesus model self-care as a spiritual practice, he also made space for others to practice self-care. So if we look at Mark 6, we see Jesus talking to the 12, the 12 disciples. He begins to send them out in pairs and give them authority over unclean spirits. And so in this scripture, Jesus is taking the disciples. They've been learning from Jesus. And now he's like, okay, go. Go out and share the good news of the gospel. Go and heal people and, and, and impact those around you. And so we see later in the passage that the apostles came back to Jesus and they reported and they said they shared all that they had done and had taught. They were, can you imagine? Can you hear it? Like they're coming back. They're like, Jesus, we healed people. Jesus, we shared your good news. Jesus, you gave us this power and this ability to give to others. And it worked. It was amazing, right? And so can you, can you feel maybe the energy they have from being successful and, and giving life-changing news to others? Yeah, I can. I can I've, I've been in that place before where it's like, oh, I'm so ramped up. This was awesome. This was so good. And then look what Jesus says next. He says, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. 
For the many people were coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. So again, the crowds are gathering in, coming in. But instead, this time, instead of Jesus staying with the crowds, he, he encouraged the disciples to go away in a boat, to be in a remote place. And so for me, this I'm seeing where it's not this law of, oh, if people come, you have to take care of the people's needs before you take care of your own. There is a time for that, but then there's also a time when, it's, when you're depleted. Jesus, knowing the disciples had given so much of themselves, even though they were super excited and super, still had all this energy, knowing they needed time to recharge so they could do it again, right? And so in this time, Jesus created space for others to practice self-care as a spiritual practice. And I love this because I believe Jesus is the son of God, but I also see that Jesus sees our humanness and knows that we need space. And so sometimes when we're like, we can't figure this out, I'm sure the disciples on their high wanted to engage with the crowd and be Jesus' right hand, and Jesus is like, no. Let me create space for you to rest and to recharge so that you can love others well. So you might be sitting here saying, well, I don't know what self-care looks like. Is it just rest? I mean, in these two examples, it was Jesus going away on his own or the disciples going away on their own. And to be honest, self-care is anything that recharges your mind, your body, and your soul. Anything that connects you to God and connects you to your inner self in a holy and spiritual way. And so for some people, self-care can be as unique as you are. I know for me, sometimes it's sitting with a really dear friend who I don't have to pretend for. I don't have to be anything but myself. And I can pour out all the words that I need to pour out, or I can just sit there. And that's, that's recharging to me because I'm wholly and fully accepted by my friend in that space. For others, I have a friend who goes hiking and connects with nature, and that connects her with her inner self and with God. I've got a friend who loves the color, uh, you know, the big craze about adult coloring. That can be a form of spiritual care. I read about a pastor who loves to watch comedy and just laugh how healing and filling of our soul can laughter be. So your self-care could look very different than my self-care. And I want to encourage you, as you see self-care as a spiritual practice, as a way to re-energize our mind, our bodies, and our souls, that allows us to be able to love others well in a healthy way. And it also allows us to give others permission to love themselves. And again, now you might be saying, I don't have time. If you're a single parent, like you're trying to work and you're coming home and anything you have left has to go to the kids because you haven't seen them all day. You know, or if you're taking care of ailing parents, or maybe you're running a company and you've got all these employees dependent on you. You're thinking, I don't have time for self-care. Why? Why would I take time for this? And I want to share with you as a counselor, our favorite analogy ever, which I know you've heard, is what do the, the flight attendants say on an airplane about your oxygen mask? Exactly. You cannot give what you don't have. And if you're dying of oxygen deprivation, however you say that word, you can't help someone else, can you? 
And so if you're giving everything you have, all you're doing is depleting yourself. And so God calls us to engage in this spiritual practice of self-care so that we can re-energize, so that we can love others well. Can you imagine with me for just a minute if we as a whole community engaged in self-care as a spiritual practice in a healthy way? And we took time to recharge our mind, bodies, and souls, how it might change the world around us. Can you imagine? Like we could, we could love others without judgment, without bitterness, without anger, without obligation, but just out of an overflow of, what, of how we're loving ourselves. And I got to tell you, when I started getting better at taking time for self-care, I started seeing people and their brokenness differently. I wasn't frustrated because they weren't doing something right. I wasn't angry because they needed help again. I started to see it as a gift that I could give. So I wonder, what would it look like if we engaged in self-care as a spiritual practice, if we gave ourselves permission in order to love others well? So I know for some of you, this is a really new concept. I know before I started recovery, connecting with my inner self sound terrifying and scary. And in fact, I have a friend who often tells me of like, Dawn, you're, why were you so scared of rest? Like, you, you make rest work. Why? It's like, because I don't want to be with myself. Like, I don't want to be with my thoughts. And so during this, this process, I'm like, how do I do this? And it's slow. It takes time. If you've never done something like this before, have compassion for yourself, just like you would have compassion for others. That this is not something you're going to figure out just like that. But it's a journey. It's a discovery. And as you discover things about yourself, you start discovering things about others. And it becomes this energizing, exciting experience. And so today, I want to practice um, one of the spiritual practices of reflective reading, because I believe God is calling us to this. And when, we, when I engage in reflective reading of Scripture, I feel like the Spirit of God reveals things to me. And so I'd like to do that with you guys today. We'd like to read through Psalm 23. And if you're familiar with Psalm 23, lots of times it's read in, at, during funerals uh, because it offers peace and comfort. But I encourage you to hear this Scripture with the thought that God wants to provide you that same peace and comfort and maybe reveal to you what your spiritual, uh, your spiritual practice of self-care looks like. So I'm going to ask Annika to come up. Uh, she's our piano player. She's amazing. And what I'm going to ask you to do, and let me, let me stop. So if this is uncomfortable or weird for you, anything we do in this next five minutes or so, please feel free to, to check out, hang out on your phone, walk out, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. I won't judge you, and hopefully nobody else will judge you either, okay? So how you start reflective reading is just getting yourself comfortable, connecting with yourself. And so maybe if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, if you don't, that's okay. Maybe just scanning your body, noticing maybe where you're, you're storing tension, 
just breathe deep. And it's those deep belly breaths, not those really short ones, but the really deep belly breaths to signal to your body that we're safe and we're gonna connect with ourselves. And just follow your breath for a moment. And as you do that, I'm going to read Psalm 23. And there's nothing you need to do except just be, just sit. Just be in this presence of the Spirit. And even if you're not a believer, that's okay. I believe God is in this room and God is surrounding you. And as I read, just allow these words to flow through you. And then when I'm done, we're gonna just listen to the music for about a minute just allow whatever thoughts come up to come up and pass through you. You don't have to hold on to anything. If you've got a to-do list popping up in your mind, just notice it and let it go. All we're doing is just being in the presence of the Spirit. This is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life and he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. scripture again and this time again just just breathe just be in the presence of the spirit of God and see if maybe there is something that God might be telling you through these verses it's okay if there isn't 
There's nothing, no checkbox to win here. Just, if there is, see what God might be saying to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life and he leads me along right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. We're going to just take another minute and just sit in what maybe the Lord might be telling you, connecting with the words that you heard. join me as I pray. Spirit of God, thank you for this time to sit in your presence, to experience a moment of maybe peace and joy. Jesus, thank you that you love us more than we love ourselves sometimes, and you create space to, to engage in self-care as a spiritual practice. Jesus, I pray that you give us wisdom. Give us creativity and insight into how you've designed us in the way that we can best engage in self-care as a spiritual practice. I pray that you give us the eyes to see how that impacts others in our lives around us. Jesus, again, thank you that you love us more than we love ourselves. In your name, amen. So as I said, I'm super passionate about recovery and care. And so if this was weird for you or you would like more information or you're trying to figure out maybe what works for you and how you connect with God best, I would love to have a conversation with you. And just reach out to me 
and we'll sit down and we'll talk about it, or I'll share more of my experience if you're curious. Okay, now we're going to transition into another spiritual practice called communion. And so for those of you at home, if you would take this time to gather your elements, if you're in the room, they're, they're either in the seat in front of you or there's some on the table back by the door. And this is something we've been doing weekly just to remind us of what Jesus' sacrifice has provided for us, that Jesus loves us so much that he would sacrifice everything for us. And I love that we are following up a conversation about self-care as a spiritual practice with communion because it's only a spiritual practice if we are connecting with Jesus in a way that's healthy and whole. So thank you for those of you uh, in the room, go ahead and unpeel off the wrappers to get your cups ready. I've heard some of you already. Caleb calls this the cellophane symphony. (laughs) So I know you're all ready (laughs) and I'm trying to balance this. All right. So in the Gospel of Mark, this was modeled for us. It says in chapter 14, as they were eating, he took the bread, that's Jesus, he took the bread, he blessed it and broke it, gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and they drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So as scripture says, at that supper, Jesus took the bread, he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of him. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of him. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your abundance of love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that we can come together and remember all that you've done for us through communion. I pray that you would bless this remembrance of you. Now we're going to continue in worship, and so would you please stand? Stand.